take your Bibles, open up to Matthew. I'm gonna get in trouble today if I don't just get going here. Open up to 1 Peter chapter five. 1 Peter chapter five. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? <laughs> I'm better now. I'm better now that I got here. Better now that, that, that worship, man, that was so good. Such a good worship set. So, so those songs were, uh, they were picked for me. I don't know if you know that. Ryan didn't talk to me about it, but he picked them for me. He didn't know, he didn't know that either. And, and the, yeah, for you too, yeah. And it's just important that we position ourselves, availing ourselves to the Lord. We're in a war, a spiritual war. And the only thing that can guide us is God's truth. God's truth has been given to us through his word. It's hidden in our hearts. His revelation, his confirmation comes from brothers and sisters. God speaks to you as he speaks to us, as he speaks to me. We confirm and affirm one another in the faith. But it is a war. It's a war. And so I want to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we humble ourselves. Father, I thank you that we can indeed receive from you. I think of Moses as he spent those days and weeks on Mount Sinai receiving the law. He was completely changed. He came down, his countenance glowed. He was a different man, a changed man. As his life would unfold, he would find himself challenged on all fronts and yet prepared for all challenges. He would suffer temptation and fatigue and even defeat. And yet he would keep his eyes on you because he had tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in you. So we put our trust in you, Lord. Would you bless this time now? Energize us, unite us, anoint us. Thank you again for the young guys and gals that are here. Would you put divine calls upon their life? Lord, call them to greater things. May they do greater works than us. We, Lord, pray for the other churches in our area. Bless them and anoint them. Edify them and equip them. We thank you for walking this church, Lord, through this difficult time in so many, so many ways, and also a glorious time. We give our hearts to you, Lord. Anoint us, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. First Peter chapter five, I want to read to you. These are the final thoughts of Peter's first letter. When we finish first Peter, we're going to begin second Peter, because they're prophets. Peter would write his letters in succession, spaced out just by a couple of years, as he would write his follow-up letter, preparing for his own death as the heat was turning up. And Peter Pastor Pete, ministering to the flock. Because as you know Peter's story, he tried to quit. He had failed. He'd come up short. He'd been embarrassed. He'd made mistakes. He'd walked off his path. He'd been called out. You know what Jesus does? He pursues us. He never lets us go. Jesus is amazing, isn't he? I mean, Pete's just a knucklehead. It's Jesus that's amazing. He pursues us. And Jesus pursued Pete and restored him. And there in John 21, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? Do you agape me? And Peter was so devastated. He's like, Lord, I, I phileo you. Whoa. At least Peter was being honest. Remember Peter? Foot and mouth Peter. Big boastful Peter. Peter talking trash about everyone else, Peter. Peter's so confident in himself. Lord, these other guys, they're bozos. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm your guy. And then, through his life, Jesus asked him, hey, do you, do you, do you agape me? Agape means unconditional love in the Greek. It's a, and do you love me, Peter? And Peter, in brokenness, he was soaking, soaking wet, sopping wet, embarrassed, said, Lord, I don't even know, bro. A phileo you? I, love, I, I do love you. I mean, I, you're Jesus. I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. A couple of minutes went by and Jesus looked at Peter. Peter's sitting there just shaking his head. Idiot, so stupid, you know. Mad at himself. 
And so Jesus, being the shepherd, said, Peter, do you agape me? Oh, man, just ask me that. Peter's thinking. And so Peter replies, Lord, I phileo you. I, I can't even say it. I'm so ashamed of myself. And so Jesus replied, feed my sheep. A couple minutes went by, and Jesus, our Savior, our shepherd, Peter, do you agape me? The Bible says Peter was irritated at this point. Not at Jesus, but most likely at himself. Are we still talking about this? Is this happening again? Why are you asking me the third time? And even then, he said, Lord, you know I phileo you. It's enough. And Jesus, the shepherd who pursues, looked at Peter. He said, Peter, tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend my lambs. Feed my lambs. Three times. I believe he did it three times because Peter had denied the Lord three times. And to the extent that you sin, to the extent that you fail, to the extent that you come up short, Christ has been victorious. He's overcome for you. Isn't that crazy? Peter, I'm not letting you go. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my lambs. Interesting that Jesus would use two different words, tending and feeding, two different words, and he used two different words for lambs and sheep as well. Just the Greek language is so broad. And I say that because Peter, I want you to get it, Peter can only do so much. And so he, like Jesus, didn't choose to do it all, but instead to exhort the leaders amongst him. Jesus took 12 disciples and trained them three years, sent them out. Two by two, commissioned the 70, sent them out. In Acts chapter one, we see 120 are gathered. In Acts chapter two, we see that grow. 5,000, 3,000, 5,000 in the next chapter. We see growth. We see, we see multiplication of leaders. I'm gonna read verses one through eight. He says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you. And I want you to see that. I got that circled. I believe he is talking to the elders, to the leaders, talking to the younger people. And then Peter zooms out and he sees the flock. If, if God can use me, Pete might say. If God would call me, Peter, Peter, then he's calling you too. He's calling you too. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And then a warning. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, would you just bless uh, this time? In your word, refresh us. I think of that principle you taught with the wineskins. That if you put new wine into old wineskins, it will burst them. The new movement, the new power, speaking of the spirit, it can't be 
harnessed in old thoughts and old patterns. And yet in those days, we know that if you took an old wineskin made of leather and you soaked it in water, it could be renewed. And so too, Lord, we want to soak in your word, the water of your word, and be renewed for greater works. As a matter of fact, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you desire, if your desire is for the Lord to do a greater work in you, would you just raise your hand right now to him? That's if you, you, you either do or you don't. I pray you do. Lord, I pray you do a greater work in me. And please keep your hand up if that's you. Lord, would you do a greater work in those who've raised their hands? Would you do a greater work? And would you even this morning soften our hearts toward you? Cleanse us, Lord. Prepare us for what you have. We volunteer. We surrender. Fill us anew. Fresh wind and fresh fire, new wine. So soften us, we pray. Prepare us for what you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and put your hands down. As we've been learning from Peter's letter, the suffering that the church was enduring wasn't going to go away. It's not going to get any better. It's actually going to get darker before it gets brighter. Suffering isn't an option. It's a, starts with P, rhymes with Ramos. It's a promise, okay? Is this your first time here? Welcome to South Beach Church. It's not an option. It's a promise. You're going to suffer. And so Peter has given, been giving to us encouragement and given to us counsel on how to suffer well how to glorify God. Again, most of us don't volunteer for suffering. Most of us, as soon as suffering shows up, we go to the medicine cabinet, we take some Advil, we take some Aleve, we want to get rid of it, we got to get rid of this. And instead, Peter saying, no, no, it's actually going to get worse for you. And in that becomes a platform for God's glory to shine through you. It's an interesting way to look at life, isn't it? Again, it's on a platform from victory looking towards eternity. We're completely different than the rest of the species on the earth right now. We see things differently. We know what God is doing. During the time of worship, I was just kind of worshiping the Lord with my own words and reminding myself and declaring to God that he spans the universe with his hands, that he knows the sum of the stars and numbers them, that he knows them by name. He flung the stars into their position. Did you know there's more stars, more suns, more planets than there are sand on the seashore? I told you that, guys, a couple weeks ago. I was at the beach maybe yesterday or the day before just looking at the sand. That is a lot of creation. That's our God. And if we understand who our God is, we can suffer differently. We can go through life with faith, not fearing everything, but instead facing everything and rising up. That is what faith is. What Peter does, though, is he says, guys, it's not going to get any uh, easier. So in light of that, we need Christians to shine brighter. We've been talking about that for weeks. He says in... Verse 15 of chapter 3, set aside the hope that lies within you as a defense, as an answer. Why are you like the way you are? Why are you just letting that, why why'd you forgive that person so easily? Why do you forgive yourself so easily? How can you, Peter, tell me what to do when you have such a sordid history of failure and defeat? It's the faith that lies within us. It's an opportunity. Not only that, but when difficulty and trials increase, we learned this last week, leadership must equally Increase. I'm going to say it this way. Suffering isn't an option. Listen, but being a leader is. Okay? You have to choose to be a leader, don't you? Suffering's coming your way no matter what. Like, figure it out. Suffer well. Figure it out. Get into the word. Before I was afflicted, Lord, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Okay? Embrace what God's brought your way. Leading others, though, I find in my life is something that I can either show up full force for or I can ride the wall and say, I really don't want to influence these people. I really don't want to be a good leader. I really don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to reject passivity. I don't want to lead courageously. I don't want to invest eternally. That's the anthem that we've memorized as men here at South Beach Church. What it means to be a leader, to be an authentic man. And I would just say that this should be a baseline goal for every person in the church, every person in life, is to continue to grow in your leadership capacity, your influence of others. You know, in order to do that, you have to appreciate work and sacrifice and discipline. You have to study God's word, and you have to continue to grow. Let me just ask you this question. How many of you guys are still growing? Okay. Not that COVID-19. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what do you mean, Pastor Logan? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of you guys are committed to growing, though? 
This is a good question because when you're younger or maybe excited about work or a new hobby or just starting something, you really want to learn and get books and be challenged and watch tutorials and get counsel and ask somebody, how am I doing? We usually ask people how you're doing. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? My pastor went to Africa and in a certain village, he said that they don't ask how you're doing. They ask each other, how am I doing? Hey, how am I doing? That sounds like a devastating question, you know. Hey, what do you see in me? What's going on in me? And man, what a revealing question. And I want to use Peter's word, verse one. The elders who are among you, I exhort. It's a strong word. It literally means to tell you what you already know. I'm not gonna tell you anything new. I'm gonna tell you what you already know. And I have found in my Christian journey, walking with the Lord, hungry, thirsty, wanting to know his will for 20 years now. Whenever I go to a Bible study or a conference or a seminar or read a book, I rarely, and this isn't boastful, but I rarely learn anything new. I'm just reminded of the truths I've already accepted. Oh, yeah, totally not doing that. I totally lost appreciation for that. Man, I've totally just been ignoring that truth. Sometimes there's new revelation and you learn something you've never heard before, but more often as you go, you just need to be exhorted to do the things that you already agreed you should be doing. Can somebody give me an amen to that? And so I ask you this question, are you still growing? Ah, man, I wanna grow more. The, the, the proclivity and temptation is everything is going from order to disorder. Okay, that's the second law of thermodynamics. Everything in this world, I think maybe it's the third law, I can't remember, is going from order to disorder. Everything is just falling apart. People, anyways, I'm not gonna talk about science today. But you have to apply force in order to get things to move in the right direction. You have to apply yourself. You have to rise every, everything. This is finances, this is emotions, this is academics, athletics. Nobody is naturally successful or influential or powerful at anything. And so there's an exhortation. The elders among you, I exhort. Now, as he gets into verses five and six, he says, you younger people, submit to the elders. Yeah, everybody. And I wanna just spread that out because this isn't an elder meeting. This isn't just elders only. There are elders in the midst that is seasoned Christians, guys that know the Lord, they know the scriptures, they know how to be disciplined and how to discipline and how to love unconditionally. They know how to fall and how to get up and they know how to fall with others that have fallen and get them up. But that's not just to the elders, it's to everybody that wants to live their lives for the glory of God and for the good of others. The Proverbs, they speak of leadership. Best-selling books are written about leadership. Seminars are packed out every week all over the country about leadership. The question I asked you is, are you still growing? And Peter addresses the elders of the church, and I believe this is important. This is, I just, I'm so excited right now. I was praying in my office this morning. I was actually just confessing and just lamenting. Lord, help me. Lord, help me at South Beach Church. But I don't have the skill set. I don't have the capacity to do at South Beach Church what needs to happen next. I just don't have it. And it was actually really fun. It was cool. I was like, Lord, you know me. <laughs> this is as long as my beard gets, you know. <sighs> People ask me from time to time, how long have you been growing that beard? It's like, 43 years. What are you talking about, you know? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I'm at my limit. And I was on my knees thanking the Lord for you guys, for the church. For the hands, the feet, the mouth, the nose, the ears, the eyes, the senses, everybody. And it's easy for, maybe easier for somebody on that staff board in the back to identify themselves as a leader. They're on, they're on the board. And yet, I, I, it's not, that's not how it works. Each and every one of us need that exhortation to say, Lord, here am I, send me. Use me. Lord, use me at the office. Use me at the school. Use me at the club. Use me, Lord, on the team. Use me, Lord, at my house. Use me at the organization. Use me at the shop. Lord, use me at the library. Use me at the grocery store. Use me, just, man, use me, Lord. And if every single person would just lean into that capacity, that volunteerism, and say, yeah. Because I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Now, I grimaced when I said that. I'm not sure why I did. Let's think, why did I do that? I think I grimaced because the world is so crazed right now. And the world is just spastic, isn't it? 
It's toxic. It's spastic. They're freaking out. And I'm going to say it again. The local church is the hope of the world. Okay, now it's just time out. If that's true, and the world's going crazy, maybe it's just media. I'm just processing. I'm verbal processing with you guys. Good luck. What's, what are we going to do as the church? Letting our light shine. Light can dispel the darkness pretty easily, can't it? Darkness doesn't even exist. It's like cold. It doesn't exist. Heat and light do. Your little light, okay, can change the trajectory of an entire community. All of us together, I exhort you. Don't you just feel a little bit embarrassed that you need exhortation to do the things you know you're supposed to do? Am I the only one? Man, I just, what am I, what am I doing? Just, Peter, I exhort the elders among you. I who am a fellow elder. I exhort you. Here's the deal. Get over it. You need to be exhorted. Okay, just get over yourself. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when it's you coming up short. When Jesus has to cook a meal for you on the beach and he asks you if you love him, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> we look at Peter like, Peter, what do you say? You're like, look at your life. Look at my life. Do you even love me, Luke? Lord, you know I... Phileo you. All right, cool. Well, that's good enough. Feed my sheep. And this is something that I believe as the days get darker, you and I press in. The hope of the world is the local church. When Paul was in Ephesus, he was there for two years, a little over two years. And he knew that his days were over, and so he decided to leave. And when he left, he assembled with him there on the shores of Miletus, the elders. He actually didn't go to Ephesus to say goodbye to everybody because he knew that would take too long. And so he called the elders. Would have been a 30-mile walk for some of these guys. And in Acts chapter 20, you can read it. It's one of my favorite chapters. We see that the elders show up. And let me just say the first requirement to be fruitful in your Christianity, the first ability is availability. This might even just be the big deal. This might be your big deal. I was processing last night, just kind of asking, Lord, Lord, why, why, why do I feel all beat up right now? Why do I feel just kind of throttled? And the Lord's just reminding me, Lord, Luke, you need to spend more time with me. It's not really that big, you know? How much time are you spending with me, Luke? I was like, well, not as much time with you as I am with these other things. And it was a simple rebuke. You, Luke, are part of the local church. Your availability. There are so many distractions. Jesus warned and said there would be fruitful trees planted by the sower that would be choked out through the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It doesn't mean you can't have cares of this world and Steward your wealth, but just be careful. When Paul called the elders, they showed up, 30-mile walk. We're here. And I would just encourage you, as under the Lord, avail yourself. Put down the phone. Put down the thing. Time is short, is it not? You can do all things that you do redeeming them for the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, including him, making yourself available to him. And I would just encourage you, you probably love the Lord here. I don't doubt that. I don't think Jesus doubted the love that Peter had for him. It was just that that love The love was being challenged. Do you remember what Jesus asked him in John 21? Peter, do you love me more than these? And we don't know what that means. We don't know what he's talking about. We weren't there. Peter, do you love me more than these fish you just caught? Peter was fishing, caught a bunch of fish. His life was, hey, what do you love more? Stuff for me. It could have been Jesus, I doubt this, but it could have been Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me more than these love me? You know, that, that doesn't seem... I don't know. Do you love me more 
then you love the guys and the way they look at you. And I think if the local church is going to be the hope of the world, it's not just here in these four walls, by the way. When you say church, isn't that weird? You think of church like South Beach Church, man, we're in the warehouse. Like, South Beach Church is all over the place, right? The church is everywhere. Men and women leading their families. Men and women availing their own hearts to the Lord. Men and women going into places of business. Men and women praying for their bosses and their employees. Men and women, 2 Corinthians 2.14, being led everywhere they go in victory, diffusing the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 2 Corinthians 2.14, read it later. Everywhere you go, you're on mission. We're on mission. Because sometimes if you show up to a volunteer position or a paid position, you avail yourself in that moment, but when you're not in that moment, you're doing whatever you do. This is maybe the challenge you're dealing with right now. There's no on and off switch to your Christianity, no on and off switch to your allegiance. A friend of mine, P.K. Hallinan, was going to the Applegate Christian Fellowship years ago, and, and he approached John Corson, and he said, hey, I'd like to be an elder here at the church. And John Corson said, oh, that's great. What I want you to do is pray for people at church. Pray for as many people as you can at every service. Begin to eld. And so PK said, well, which service do you want me to attend? And he said, all of them. And PK said, you're teaching five services on a Sunday. And John smiled and said, I know. (laughs) Avail yourself to the things of God. No on-off switch. This requires commitment. This requires discipline. This requires choice. This requires a conviction that Peter gives to us. We studied this last week. He said in verse 1, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partake of the glory that we revealed. How did Peter have this firm foundation? He knew there's nothing else worth living for than the Savior who died for him. Isn't that awesome? That you can trust your Savior. You can sacrifice and give. You can do whatever he asks you to do because he suffered for you and you've seen the glory that's coming. Peter had walked on water. He'd seen the miracles. He knew, dude, whatever God asked me to do at this point, I'm gonna do it. I'm all in. Last night I was studying about 8 o'clock, just trying to wrap my mind around what was going to happen today, and I couldn't get my mind wrapped around anything, believe it or not. I was just sitting there reading 1 Timothy 3, Acts chapter 6, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 5, just reading, going back and forth, what, how am I going to get through all this? And I got a phone call, and it was one of those phone calls that I don't recognize the number, and I thought, this is an odd hour to renew my car's warranty. So I didn't answer it. (laughs) And I didn't, 8 o'clock, I didn't answer. I was like, whatever. And immediately, as soon as I didn't answer it, I got a voicemail prompt and then a text from the same number. And I realized that there was stuff going on. People needed, needed me. They needed the Lord. There was a call from a frantic mom who'd, found her son overdosed. She was on the way to the hospital and he was dying. So I sat there and I looked at my Bible and my blank page of paper. All right, Lord, you got my back, right? I can't do what I need to do. It was actually, I trust, you know, trust the Lord. So I was at the hospital within 10 minutes. As I walked in the hospital, the lady there at the, if you've been to the emergency room lately, they ask you a couple questions. What are you doing here? And I looked around and said, I'm here to be with a patient. And she said, what? I said, no, I'm a pastor. Okay, that makes more sense. I didn't know what you were saying. You know. And she screamed me and all this stuff, and, and they, they got me to the back there. And as I went back there, I started seeing people I knew, professionals, doctors, nurses. I saw the mom. And I saw a Jean. His name's a Jean, 19-year-old boy. His mom texted me this morning and said, would you please tell the story and have the church pray for my son? He's livers in shock still. And as I sat there with, with a Jean and, and his mom, Malika, 
and prayed and anointed him with oil. I had some oil with me and just prayed for him. What, what, I, what, was, what was really special in our town is the people that were there watching. I believe God's going to provide a miracle for Jean and for Malik. He's going to walk them through this. And, and yet God's always doing stuff at deeper levels. And so before I continue on, we're going to honor Malika's request. Would you guys bow your heads and pray? Lord, we bring a Jean before you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you would not only heal his body, restore his liver, restore his mind, detox his system, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for a divine awakening of his heart, Lord, that he would see you. Lord, in Jesus' name, do not let, Lord, this pass without producing fruit. Lord, in Jesus' name, capture his heart and his mind. He's young, Lord. And I pray, God, that he would see you, you would deliver him, you'd fight for him. Lord, you'd save his soul. Thank you for Malika, Lord, would you strengthen her? She's known a lot of suffering, Lord. I thank you for the medical staff and the the heroes, Lord, that saved him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How do you trust the Lord in all things? You taste and see that he's good. You know that he's good. And my exhortation to you guys this morning, to the church this morning, is the same prayer that, that we prayed for the kids the kids would just make a decision. It's just as simple as making a decision. When Jesus asked Peter on the beach, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus simply said, then feed my sheep. Just be about my business. Just make that decision. Avail yourself. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know when you're gonna get a text. You don't know when you're gonna get a phone call. You don't know when someone's gonna come to you. And if you know who the Lord is, as a matter of fact, if you study Peter's life in the book of Acts, Peter's kind of a big wig. He's, he's the real deal. He's a big wig. One of the leaders of the church, him and James, pillars. And yet if you study the book of Acts, you see Peter going house to house, village to village, preaching the gospel everywhere he goes. And as a, a guy who wants to be available, wants to be here on Sundays with you and at Fred Myers with Ginny and and others, and at the college with Shannon, and at the aquarium with Tammy, and wherever we go, letting the Lord use us. Seeing Wendy and Megan smile. You can, st- you can see smiles under your mask. You know that, right? You can still see them. It's right there. It's right there. You can tell. The elders who are among you, I exhort. Guys, I want you to jump down to verse four. This is where we ended last week. And he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. If you're gonna be motivated, if you're gonna stay excited, if you're gonna stay available, you have to believe that Jesus is returning at any minute. The blessed hope of his coming. Just track with me for a second. Peter knows more about the Bible than you. He wrote some of it. Peter knows more about Jesus than you. He hung out with him. For some crazy reason, Peter concluded Jesus is coming back. There's conflict and conversation that goes in these realms of is Jesus returning and is there a rapture and will it be the pre-tribulation or mid-tribulation or post-tribulation or will it be the pan-tribulation happening without the tribulation? You know, what's going to happen? Peter here, knowing more than you and I, says this in verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, stop right there, eyes up here. Senior pastor's on his way. If not today, it could be tomorrow. And listen, if it's not today and if it's not tomorrow, but you live your life as if it is, then you will have lived a glorious life. And I exhort you in this. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged and weary in your souls. 
You're not going to be the husband you want to be. You're not going to be the wife you want to be. You're not going to be the dad you want to be, the mom you want. You're not going to do that. You're just not going to show up. And yet every day is an opportunity. And, and have you not looked at the signs? Have you not looked at the seasons? Have you not seen what's going on? The Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, but we do know the signs and the times. That as in the days of Noah, when people are living their lives and going their way, the Son of Man will return. Could be our generation. Could be our generation. Verse 5, he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Can I just encourage you? that God sees everything and will write everything, that's not your job to. Your job is to humble yourself. And God will exalt you in due season. Your job's not to be the boss, not to be the police, not to be the one who's saying right or wrong. Your job is to humble yourself as unto the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. This should alleviate some people here from a savior complex of writing all wrongs and Balancing out all scales. A lot of the things that are going on around us aren't right. They are unjust. And yet, as we submit to the Lord in his purposes, the Lord will have his way. Now, before we move any further, I'm going to study these verses next week as well, believe it or not. Thank you, Danielle. Quickly, I want you guys to appreciate with me the call to leadership. Take your Bibles now and turn left to 1 Timothy 3. There should be more sounds of paper than that. A lot of people have their Bibles on their phones. 1 Timothy 3. I like paper. Guys, there's a lot of text here. I'm going to read. I'm going to make some comp, uh, observations and point some, some things out, but we're going we're gonna to hustle. Paul's now writing, and he says this. This is a faithful saying. If any man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. I have work circled. It's a four-letter word. It's work. To be a man or woman used by God is going to require sacrifice and work. To do anything worthwhile, you have to push back against the tide. Is our nation getting softer? Have you noticed this? Have you seen how soft we are? I mean, it's just we're so soft. It's really incredible. I believe we're set up for some really difficult times in the future. Everything's just so fast, and you go to the store, and your vegetables, and meats are packaged so nicely. Like, who, who does that? They just come out of this magical world. Farmers and people. We don't know. I mean, we're just so soft. Everything's so easy. And yet, I don't want you to mistakenly look at your Christianity in that way. It's hard to memorize Scripture. It's hard to read through Matthew. It's hard to get up early. It's hard to pray. It's hard to lead my family in devotions. It's hard to, to turn the TV off. It's hard to go on prayer walks. It's hard to worship by myself. It's hard. <laughs> okay. It's work. It's work. And life is almost over. He's coming soon. Wouldn't it be radical if you pressed in and you said, you know what? I'm part of the church. And the church is the hope of the world. And the church isn't Luke for Shet. Or 3335 South Coast Highway. That's where you're at right now. It's you. Why do you rise up? Why do you set your mind on things above? Why do you pray for your family? Why do you fast? He goes on to give the qualifications for elders. He says a bishop, that's an overseer, then must be blameless. Stop right there, eyes up here. 
He gives 16 qualifications for elders and 12 for deacons. The first one he gives, though, is blameless. Okay, raise your hand if you're blameless. <laughs> Trick question. He didn't say spotless. Wouldn't that have been nutty? All right, everyone who's spotless, stay here. Everyone else, leave. Mass exodus. The idea of blameless is different than spotless. Spotless means you're spotless. You're perfect. Blameless means that the areas of battle, the areas of deficiency, you're aware of, and you're dealing with them. And you're not making room for areas of the flesh. You're not, you're not protecting those areas of compromise. You're saying, no, no, I have failures, I have faults, and I'm working on them. I'm dealing with it. Okay, I'm just, I'm, if you examine my life, I'm, I'm blameless in that. If it was spotless, we'd all be toast. And yet what I encourage you to do today, say, Lord, just search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, show me that pride. Show me that arrogance. Show me that immorality. Show me that, that, that stuff. Just, just show it to me, Lord. And if you're that man or woman, you're blameless. It's the person who's hiding stuff and that has something to work on. This is for an elder. This is a big qualification here. Okay, we're gonna get to deacons in a minute. But I wanted to just kind of underscore before he goes over the 16 things. First one is blameless. He says that he must be the husband of one wife. That is, he's committed. He must be temperate. That means disciplined. Sober-minded, that means emotionally stable. Of good behavior, means disciplined in his behavior. Hospitable. Guys, this idea of hospitality really been coming up in the scriptures a lot for me. Literally means to be more concerned about others than yourself. Hospitality isn't just inviting over to your house, and even then you're probably more concerned about yourself than them, let's be honest. My house look good, you know. What do they think of me? Think about it. Can you imagine if you were more hospitable? You truly care about other people more than yourself? Most people wonder, what's that person thinking about me? This will radically change your life to become hospitable. How are they doing? I wonder what they're going through. Able to teach, literally meaning that you can teach and that you're teachable. Not given to wine, word there in the Greek means addicted. Not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? A man's ministry or a woman's effectivity is not measured outside the home, but inside the home. That's convicting, isn't it? That's convicting. It's meant to be. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Remember when you were a young Christian, how fired up you were? Man, I could solve anything. I was ready to rumble. Until I fell down a few times. You, have, you fall down in your Christianity? One of the beautiful things about falling down in your Christianity is that God still uses you. And when God uses you, you know that he uses you in spite of you. You see, the condemnation of the devil was he was proud of himself. He, he was a can-do kind of angel. He wanted more, more accolades. Some young Christians find themselves learning a few things or two and not as much wreckage in their folder. And it's a dangerous place. Having wreckage in your file, in your folder, and yet God's grace still upon you, you know it's the Lord, don't you? <laughs> you know it's the Lord. Pride is still there, but not as much. Moreover, verse 7, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Not just people in the church, but people in our community should see and know that you're different. Likewise, deacons, this is a broader spectrum. The word deacon literally means to serve. Not so much by way of what an elder would do with teaching, doctrine, counsel, and leading, but the deacons would be those who are serving 
the ministry of the church, serving in the community. And before I even read any further, the very first time the word deacon is used in the Bible, it's actually used to describe the angels in Matthew 4 that minister to Jesus' body after he'd been tempted for 40 days. I've been tripping out on that for a little bit. The angels show up and they deaconess. They, they, they diaconize. They, they minister to Jesus' body. This is the body of Christ. The body of Christ ministers. The deacons, the deaconesses. As we're going through the testing of life, men and women showing up saying, what's going on? What do we need to do? Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. Serving your household, serving your community, serving your workplace. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, again, being full control, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested and let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent and not slanderers and temperate and faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and the house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and a great witness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Guys, to finish today's sermon, please turn to the left to Acts chapter 6. Don't you like the sound of that paper? I believe God has us in 1 Peter chapter 5 for such a time as this at the South Beach Church. For me, personally, for our staff collectively. In Acts chapter 6, I'm going to read to you a couple of verses and make some observations and we'll be done for the day. It says, now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, hey, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Arminius, Nicholas, the proselyte from Antioch, who they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Look at verse seven. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Stop right there, Isaac. This is the local church. This is the local church at the beginning of the church's life. And when the church multiplied and developed and delegated and discipled and grew, more people got saved, more leaders got saved, more people stepped into the ring of ministry. I want to encourage you. It began in verse 1 with a complaint. Anybody ever complained about you before? Way to get in the ministry. Super fun. Complaints happen. Failures happen. Shortcomings happen. Jesus Christ is committed to his bride. He's committed to his church. He's working all things together. And even in this time of difficulty, verse 1, the Bible tells us the story that the guys and gals got together and they prayed. They said, you know what we need to do? We need to identify some people to do the work. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Wise. Good reputation. And let's let them go. We will give ourselves over to the word and to prayer. We see so many things here, and I don't have time to develop and to pull out all the principles that we see. Maybe in your time at your life groups, you could study Acts chapter 1. Maybe in your own time, verses 1 through 7. And yet we see here that people got saved, that the local church expanded. And more people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And the guys and gals that were called to specific roles in ministry were allowed to do them more effectively. Each We've been... Looking at this, 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter exhorted the church, you who have gifts, you who have talents, you who have wisdom, apply that to the Lord. Maybe you've tried this before. Maybe you've joined the church and you tried to show up to a meeting and you tried to press into the worship team or tried to serve at Sunday school or tried to do something in the church here. Okay, good job. Maybe that wasn't exactly what God had for you. 
Maybe it was in your community, maybe a life group or being a better witness at work or being a better disciple at your own house. The Lord's gonna show you what he wants you to do and how it's gonna look in your life. My exhortation to you, keep going. Don't slow down. The world wants you to slow down. There are things right now pitted against you to steal your time, to steal your devotion, to steal your direction, and Jesus would have a meal with you and say, do you love me? And you might with regret say, yeah, you know I do, Lord. And Jesus with a smile of grace would say, cool, let's go. I got stuff for you. I got stuff for you. At the beginning of the service, I asked you guys who wanted a greater measure of the Holy Spirit to raise your hands. I believe the Lord's going to honor that. I'm glad that things are getting crazier. I don't know how tough you are. I'm not very tough. If things were to get easier and easier and easier, okay, I would get easier and easier and easier. Would you not? Are you, are you, maybe you're tougher than me. And so when things get crazier and crazier... It's like an alarm going off, reminding us to keep our batteries fresh, reminding us that the Lord has things to do. Because this is the time. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to trust the Lord to produce fruit through his word, to do a work in us through his spirit. Lord, we thank you. We surrender to you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for a spirit of repentance for South Beach Church just for that holy devotion. Those areas in our life, Lord, where we're just not making you number one. We're not carving out that time. Maybe we've become spiritually lazy. Maybe that's just for me, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a few others, I don't know. Lord, we repent. Would you help us, Jesus? Would you anoint us? Would you be brighter, Lord, and would you be more attractive than the things of this world as you asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I ask, Lord, for a revival to happen here in our midst. And if you need a revival, if you need a greater awakening to the things of God, and you're at home watching, are you here? Would you just raise your hand right now? Raise it up to the Lord if you need a revival in your own hearts. Lord, I do. In Jesus' name, my hand is up. Would you revive us, Lord? Would you fight our battles? Would you do for us what we cannot do for ourselves? Make us those men and women who are faithful messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And would many people be saved alive? We give you our lives, Lord. Use us as you see fit. And until the day you return, may we be found faithful, Lord, working for you and waiting. We love you, Lord. We commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.